This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Ali. Ali, powered by Verizon locations, are developed by Verizon, the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Ali, a membership-only community workspace for creators, each location is a community curated and powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Ali, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems with entrepreneurs. And now, on to my interview with Deanna First. The trigger moment where I knew I need to get out of the corporate world is I worked at Ralph Lauren for a little bit and I went in for the interview and he looked at my portfolio um, and there's designs and then there's sketches, but he saw my sketches and he was like, you're not doing doing anything anything with these. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, Yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they move, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Pa bless everybody and welcome to another episode of the Silent Giants podcast, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Silent Giants Podcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is fashion and beauty illustrator Deanna First. Deanna has carved an amazing niche for herself, illustrating for brands like Saks Fifth Avenue, Swarovski, Ralph Lauren, Estee Lauder, and countless others. In this interview, we get to learn more about Deanna's upbringing in Ohio, her early career as a fashion designer for Ralph Lauren and J. Crew, how she began a career as a fashion illustrator, and so much more. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the fashion illustrator, the entrepreneur, my friend, the silent giant, Deanna First. Yo, Deanna, what's going on, yeah? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yo, I'm fantastic. It feels good to be like here with you right now, hanging out, having I a conversation. Know. Long over too. Like so. the, the power of the internet. Exactly, right? And, I mean, so and Instagram. Cool. And Instagram. Exactly. And like, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have an Instagram account. Seriously. Yo, like, I don't know what I would be either. <laughs> business wise, yeah. Well, you know what? If we didn't have an Instagram account, you'd probably be, you mentioned that you were from Ohio. Actually, no, no, no. Without Instagram, we would probably still both be in New York because we have to meet people face to face. Exactly. Face to face would matter so much more. We would find a way to make it work. Right. Like, but I wonder how people, do you ever think about how the world even function? Instagram and the internet's like one of those things where I think about now, like, what was the world even like? Like, how did you know an event was happening? I don't know. And same with phones, like without having like cell phones, like you can't even imagine. Yeah, no cell phone. Like so weird. Well, you know what? It's it's one of those. How do people even get around New York City without I don't a cell know. phone? I okay. I've lived here like seven years, and I still use Google Maps. Like, I still <laughs> no matter where I'm going. Well, see, Google Google Maps has even more purpose because you can now track the times. Oh, see, okay, maybe that's why I use it. It's not just directions; it's time. Too. Yeah, time time yeah. is a valuable thing. So your last name is First. It is. Which is a beast last name. Is that, I know. I was on the train thinking to myself, first, is that like German or is that like, I don't know, like Dutch or what? what is that? So it originally was spelled F-U-E-R-S-T, um, but apparently, you know, through immigration, it got switched to F-I-R-S-T. So I don't know how long the backstory is with that, but. Where'd your family move from? 
Um, okay, well, my dad's side, I'm not super familiar, but my mom's side is from Italy, so okay. it doesn't really tie into the last name, but <laughs> okay. they're like everything. They're like German, Hungarian, Slovak, like everything. And you mentioned you're from Ohio. We're in Ohio. Yeah. So like 20 minutes from Cleveland. All right. So you're like a Cavaliers fan, LeBron fan? Okay. I am when there's like a championship going on, but other than that, I don't keep up. I don't keep track. Yeah. When LeBron's not there, there's not too many championships to keep track of. (laughs) Exactly. So. What was it like growing up there? Interesting. No, it was good. It's like, I miss the nature part of it. You know, like there's so many people in New York, which is awesome because you like you feed off their energy. But in Ohio, it was like very relaxing and chill. And I feel like I'm a spiritual person, so I, I need solitude once in a while. So I like growing up in Ohio because it wasn't so busy. You got to kind of like be with your thoughts more than in New York. Right, 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 right. So. I, I, what was your childhood like? Like, what, do you have siblings? Yeah, I have one sister, so everyone was a teacher in my family. Okay. I feel like I'm the only kind of creative one in my family. Were they so art teachers? They all were teachers, yeah. Uh, art mom, teachers, I'm sorry. Not art teachers, no. No one was, like, super creative. Um, my great uncle, though, was a mural painter. Okay. So I feel like, I never met him, but I feel like that's kind of got passed on, maybe skipped a generation, so... Oh, were you the oldest or youngest? I am the youngest. Youngest. So yes. I was listening to this podcast the other day about like child order. Oh, and interesting. I don't know a lot about it. What did it, what did it say? So child order and like the the role. So like I say, for instance, I'm the, I'm the oldest child, right? So the oldest child typically is the one who um, will move away first. They have like more responsibility. Really? Uh, their parents, your, the parents are stricter on the oldest because they have no experience. Um, the oldest is typically a little bit more like scrappy um, because your parents don't have the, a lot of money when you, you know the, when you first have your first child. That makes sense. Normally. Um, but then by the time you get to the, the second child or the third child, there's more money there. So the kid kind of has like the second or third child has more leniency as far as parental uh, supervision or they're able to do a little bit I more. I don't think so. Not with me. No. Ex- explain. I feel like. I don't want to say bad or good. There's no bad or good, but I feel like I was always, always like getting in trouble and I don't know. I just, I feel like they were more strict with me because my sister, um, super responsible, very like by the rules, by the books. And I don't like rules. I didn't like school. I didn't like any of that. So I don't know. So you were just a rebel. I, I, rebel with with the cause or without a cause. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I guess I just don't like being told what to do. And yeah, I guess you could consider that a rebel. Oh, totally. Uh, not being told <laughs> not what like to do. Not like a bad, bad rebel, but like a semi-rebel. Yeah. Well, well, I think it's also like the thing that goes back to being a creative. You know what I mean? The whole point of being a creative is the whole job is to think out of the box. Exactly. You, you know what I mean? So you're yeah. just born to be a creative. Not a rebel, a creative. A creative. See, I like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, how did art first like get involved in, in your life? early on so it sounds a little cheesy but ever since preschool I wanted to be an artist like we would have journals and like they would say what do you want to be when you grew up and I always said artist since you know a, a super young age I just didn't know it would be like the fashion and beauty industry I actually I graduated in fashion design and I had a corporate job for a few years before I transitioned over to illustration so 
Wow. So, so you always knew you wanted to be an artist. I always knew I wanted to be an artist. Yeah. Was, was there like a light bulb moment in your your early early life where you knew that this was like your calling? No, I always knew. Ever since I was like before kindergarten, I knew that's what I was gonna do. But then, you know, when you look at colleges and you, I, was, I was speaking with counselors and and people like that, they're like, "Oh, well, you could be an art teacher." You know, like they never pushed it to like you could be an actual artist or. Um, so I went to fashion design school because it combined illustration and like I never sewed before. I just was like, oh, I like clothes. This would be fun. Let me like, you know, go this direction. So does that mean you were talented at illustration and, and art early on? Like there was like a natural ability there? Yeah. Yeah. Like even elementary school, I feel like I was in. They have honors art, believe it or not. Like they have like advanced art. So I was always, you know, taking extra classes for it. Um I would I would get like awards and things like that, but I mean it was elementary and middle school, so it was like small stuff. Oh, was there a person who uh, early on kind of influenced you to kind of just maybe maybe not have the 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 vision to you know propel you to you know pursue it in college or as a career or as an artist individually, but to someone who positively pushed you forward with your art. I feel like there has been so many people, but I feel like the trigger moment where I knew oh, I need to get out of the corporate world is I worked at Ralph Lauren for a little bit and I went in for the interview and he looked at my portfolio um, and there's designs and then there's sketches, but he saw my sketches and he was like, you're not doing anything with these. Like you should be an art. Like even though I was interviewing for a design position, um, you know, he was like so surprised I wasn't doing something, you know more art related because you think design is art every time I tell someone oh I was in fashion design they're like oh did you draw all day I was like no it was all computer I was sitting in front of a screen you know it just wasn't creative as I make it out to at, in Project Runway or the movies it just it wasn't like that once you were in the industry because uh, where did you end up going to school I went to Kent State Kent in, State in oh Ohio. that's the uh, famous school from the 1960s yeah yeah everyone knows it from right, right. There, there was a song from uh, Crosby Stills Nash and Young yeah about that yeah what was it called Ohio what's called Ohio yeah it's called Ohio so there, there we go what was it like yeah. at, at Kent State it was good um I graduated in five years because my first year I didn't know if I wanted to do fashion design or art so my first year I just took electives and then once I chose my major it really was just I didn't really have much of a social life. I I worked all all day, all night. Are you like a naturally introverted person? No, it was just it was so hard that like no one was in sororities in fashion design school. No one did anything extra because it was just so much. Like you're create you're sewing collections of clothes, so it's like it's just so much that goes into it. Now, did you know? once you graduated that you had to make a move to a major market or could you have stayed in Ohio? Because in Columbus is like the fashion capital of the world. You have like, or of America, right? Where it's like yeah, Express yeah. is there and American Ever Eagles there. there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I could have, but I wanted to get out of Ohio as fast as possible. Yeah. And I interned here when I was in college. So it's where I knew the most people, you know, to kind of land my first job. So it just made sense to come to New York again. So uh, tell me about the about the move to New York. Like, where'd you move? So my first apartment was in East Village. I had one roommate. Um, I've lived about probably seven or eight spots since. I've been here seven years. Just because 
you know how the New York life is. <laughs> it's never planned. It's always like so many factors that go into it. It was good. I mean, I still feel like I'm getting adjusted. I don't feel like a true New Yorker even after all these years. Oh, New York has a way about it, though, where it's never like your city. Exactly. You, you yeah. Know, you yeah. Know I mean? We share it with like plenty of people. So. <laughs> it's really hard to, to come here and really feel like it's always going to belong to you. I, so I step back to back home to Virginia. And I'm like, oh, this is where like where I like naturally fit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I feel more at home there. But who knows? One day, one day it might change. OK. So now during this time, you're pursuing a career in design. But are you still making art and illustrations like are you selling them? Or are you doing this in your free time? Like, where, where was art and illustration in your life when you had a full-time job in design? So my first few years, it was like non-existent. I didn't draw for a few years, um, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, and then after I was at, I started off at Ali Tahari, then I was at Ralph Lauren, and then J. Crew, and I was at enough places to know, hey, I wouldn't be happy doing this, even if I got to the design director you know, level, I just, I wasn't happy. Um, so I got a part-time job for, I was, I was planning on staying there six months. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I quit my corporate job and I was like, I moved back home. Oh, I forgot about this. I moved back home for about like three to four months. Then I moved back to New York to get a part-time job. And at that point I was applying at art supply stores. I was applying like anywhere that could just give me like three days a week so I could still, you know, get my business started. So I found a place that I could work three days a week while I still, you know, did art and got some clients and built myself up. Um, but I ended up staying there two years before I could quit. Okay. Or before I decided to quit. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of the background story. But I've been doing it like four years, probably full time. Three. I don't know. I don't keep track. So you went from uh, Jahari, what was the clothing line? Eddie or, or Ellie Tahari. And then now, okay, also, was your focus like menswear or womenswear? What was your focus I did everything. in design? Men's, women's, children's, but I preferred like womenswear. And for, for folks who, you know, I don't come from the fashion world. You know, I come, okay. I come from the world of music. What is the working for these big companies that we all know, like a, a J. Crew? Uh, what is the environment like in these offices? Is it overly creative? Is it more of a corporate kind of vibe? Or what, what is the... What is the, the experience like working at these type of places? It honestly just depends on the company. It varies so much. You know, every company has a different dynamic. Um, I honestly felt like I was sitting in front of a computer a lot. <laughs> I mean, very corporate, the places I was at. I mean, it was fun, but <laughs> not fun enough that I wanted to make a living doing it. Right, right, right. Um, you mentioned that you were uh, earlier that you were uh, hopping around and someone told you like your employer your boss looked at your illustrations and was like why aren't you doing this oh yeah it was for an interview yeah for an interview and yeah. they're like why don't you do this you know why, why don't you become an artist um was that like a light bulb moment for you when you were like yes why am i not doing this exactly yeah i feel like i needed that little like boost because you know coming from someone that was you know in a reputable position you know that kind of knew exactly what they were talking about it gave me a little more confidence boost to be like, you know what? Everyone has a breaking point, and I feel like too many people, like, I don't know, they make a lot of excuses, like, oh, it's not that bad, but we only have one life, you know? It's just like, it makes me so sad to see people that aren't happy in their jobs because I've been there and I know what it feels like. Um, 
But I also believe in destiny. I feel like if you quit today or if you quit in 10 years and you like have a goal, you're still going to get to the same end point. Um, it's just the matter of how soon you want to take the risk kind of deal. Okay. Now put me in your shoes. You, you, you leave the corporate world behind oh, and you're so happy and you are striking out on entrepreneurship. What was the first steps of, of, of that, of your, your journey? A lot of highs and lows, you know, I saved up enough money to, you know, sustain myself for a while. Um, but honestly, the, I mean, there's still so many highs and lows. I mean, everyone looks at me and I assume like, oh, you've landed so many great clients, you're successful. And I still like struggle with ups and downs, you know. Um, you have to kind of be like your own best friend through it all, you know. And I didn't tell my family when I quit. I didn't tell anyone I quit my corporate job and tell my parents and tell anyone. And then they would call me at like random parts of the day and I would pick up and they'd be like, Deanna, like, why are you like always like available? <laughs> So I finally like came clean um, once I, you know, started landing big clients, but it was definitely a struggle in the beginning. The first two years were like, oh my God. Yeah. How do you Very land? scary. You know, because where did you get the vision for, like so many people have the ability to rap, right? Or the ability to write songs or the ability to illustrate, but they don't necessarily have a career focus of where they want to go with their art, right? How did you develop the 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 idea to, okay, I'm gonna brand myself in a way of, I'm gonna do illustration for fashion. And then how did you get that first client? Tell me the that process. Good question. I honestly don't remember my, oh, my very first client, um, it was a book cover by Martha Michelle. She's a poet, she lives in LA. So that was my very first client. Um, but my very first like corporate, like large client was Saks Fifth Avenue. And at that point, like, are you familiar with live sketching? So like at venues or like clothing launches or beauty launches, I live sketch guests. I do them like five minute quick sketch. They take home just as like a kind of like a souvenir to remember the event by. So they reached out and they're like. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Deanna, like, we want to hire you for this event. You know, someone forwarded over your website. And at that point, I already did a live sketch event and it went so bad. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this isn't my calling. I'm, I'm not doing anything live. Cause I consider myself a perfectionist. I like to take my time, but at live sketch events, it's five minutes and whatever's on the page. Like it's, you know, you just kind of have to wing it. So I was like, okay, I really don't want to do this, but if I want to land them as a client and that's like my really big first client, I need to learn how to get good with it, good at it. Um, so I showed up, it didn't go as bad as last time. It went okay. And then it's kind of just been like my favorite thing to do. It's like, I have events usually like every week now. So it's probably like 60 to 60% of my business. Now I, I want to backtrack a little bit because yeah. I, I know that it's, it, you're explaining it in a way where 
it landed here, landed here. But I want to go all the way back to just how does this even idea even come about that like I there's an industry for me to do illustration and fashion? Like, did you know anyone who was kind of in this role before that you had seen on Instagram or seen online and it's like I could do that? Like, or did you just come up with Yeah, the- no, good question. Because at first I didn't really know this was even a thing, even in college so in fashion design we have sketching classes um but I didn't really know people were making a living with it until like I graduated and I lived in New York and Instagram I started going on Instagram so like um Katie Rogers she has like it's called paper fashion um Blair's like Danny Roberts like there's like a bunch of illustrators out there that were seemed to like be doing what I love so that's kind of how I discovered I was like oh my gosh they're doing all this cool stuff if they can do it you know why can't I so and and break it down for me like in in dummy terms right like for a person who has a knack for illustration who wants to pursue this and go the route of working with brands with their art like what are the first baby steps that you need to take before you even get to a client I would say before you even pursuing anything, have a website up, like look legit, you know what I'm saying? So people take you seriously. And I would have a portfolio together. I would work on, you know, five or six collections just featuring your artwork. If you don't have any like big names to, you know, attach to yourself yet, you know, you're selling yourself. And I would go to a lot of events, you know, um, not so many networking events, like sometimes I would, but just get out there and meet people because once you're like friends with people, you don't know who knows, you know, people talk. Um, so there's so many ways you can go about it. You can go about it, the being super social, um, but then you can work from home and like promote online. So it's just, you got to work what's best for you, you know? Now you mentioned the event uh, at Saks where it was the, the live illustration. Yeah. Tell me about that event. What was the event? Gosh, I don't even remember. I think it was just an in-store event, probably some holiday where they come in and I just like sketch customers at the store as like little thank you. Wow. And so from there, you were able to build the relationship with them, but also get into like, what was the next step after that for you? I mean, it kind of is like a domino effect. Once you get a few reputable, you know, respectable clients everyone thinks like, oh, Deanna, how do you get your clients? Like, I'm at the point where they come to me and it kind of sounds cocky, but I mean, when I first started out, I would be emailing every person, you know, looking through the alumni books, like, who do I know? Who can I reach out to? But then once you kind of like get a few under your belt and focus internally on producing more work and on yourself and on your website, they'll come to you. So the beginning it was a lot of like outreach but now it's it's finally to like the good part where you know i don't have to do as much work it just kind of flows um for me let's say for instance i you know i'm a I'm a writer right yeah. so if i was able to get a publishing deal i can call some of my friends who have publishing deals with labels and kind of call them and ask some questions about like their deal you know what i mean or what things should i look out for you know and they can look out for me and give me some advice. But for you, there's not a lot of people in this role of you know, being an illustrator and working with big brands. How were you able to know like your value and know your rates um, early on? Or was that something you kind of had to learn through trial by, far, trial by fire? 
Very good question. So the beginning, I and if you Google something, art is all over the place. You know, there's not really like I couldn't find a set rate, so I was super confused what to charge. And I would I went out and I met with a few illustrators when I first kind of wanted to make the transition, but no one was talking about the rates. Everyone gave you a little bit of info, but still it's competitive. You know, they'll see my work. You know, you're still competition to them. So. Um, it helped, you know, with some things, but like um, the main thing that I feel like finally made me on the right track was I always wanted to get into an illustration agency. And when I first started out, I applied to like 20, 30, so many. I didn't hear back or I, you know, didn't get into any of them or hear back. Then I realized I'm applying to all these and I haven't even built my career up. Like, what do I expect? So I waited three years. I reapplied and I got into one of my top agencies which was awesome I ended up being like my slowest year I was at like a six month trial period I I think they booked me one project in six months it was awful I was struggling I was like so much better on my own um but the good thing about that is I know their rates now like I know what the standard is across the board for like book covers for events for all of that so I have somewhere to gauge now like what is you know an on point kind of price point you mentioned illustration agency yeah i yeah. didn't even know this this I, existed right yeah a lot of people don't so like think of like music um agents or like an acting agent it's the same exact exact thing um, but the agency i had if you think about it you log on the website and there was probably like 60 other artists okay so at the time, I was like, wow, my life is going to change. You know, I don't have to do the contracts and all this stuff that I don't really enjoy doing. Like, I was so excited. This is the moment I've been waiting for. But then I realized you have a website with all these other amazing illustrators on there. You might have three agents representing, you know, 60 people each or whatever. So I felt like no one was, I wasn't getting paid attention to. And you would have a client sign on the website and see all these other artists easily get swayed. Like, oh, let's click on this profile or like this. So it um, it hurt me, but it helped me because I, I now know, you know. You mentioned uh, too about contracts. So yeah, at the agency, they would handle these contracts for you, but independently, you're handling these contracts yourself yeah contracts invoices following up with people you know keeping track of everything yeah so th that was nice the agent would handle um all that but they also get like a 40 percent cut okay okay which and is high <laughs> so so with these contracts are you do you have to have people overlook your contracts or something you could look at yourself i mean there's templates and there's also websites um you can go on that have pre-made templates that cater to graphic design to illustration and then you kind of just like tweak them um so that's what i typically do was there a particular moment in your in your life that was a breakthrough moment that you look back and go wow when this gig happened like everything changed or is something's kind of like a gradual it's getting better and better and better and better and better slowly i think it's a, a gradual getting better and better and better and I feel like sometimes you know I'm not at where I want to be yet I'm thankful um, 
but it helps to look look back and see like wow I actually have like accomplished a lot because I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm living in New York City so like that alone is an accomplishment um and I feel like I'm hard on myself sometimes you know I'm trying to work on that um so I guess I'm appreciative but there was not like one moment that was like changed everything it's kind of a domino effect uh, I was talking to my homegirl earlier this morning. She's an artist in Singapore. Oh, cool. We, yeah, she's super dope. We were having like a great conversation and like touching base about like the art scene in, in Singapore versus like the art scene kind of um, in New York. And we were having a great conversation about with your art, you know, there's a balance between doing something that's like your passion and that you're passionate about. And then there's the other element of having to pay your bills and working with bigger companies. Um, was there ever any point of contention for you of saying like, I love doing my art, um, but you kind of have to go over here to the corporate side or were you always comfortable being in the corporate side? Or being in the non-corporate side? Well, okay. Well, I'm sorry. As far as like working to delivering art for corporate entities. Oh, okay. So, so was there ever a point, was it always an easy thing for you to hop into that world of delivering art for co corporate purposes or for big publications or yeah has that, has that or ever... like personal work you're saying yes yeah so that's something I actually am still trying to get better at because you would think you know I use my creativity so much but really a lot of the times clients will have a specific brief I want this type of girl carrying this this outfit I don't feel creative sometimes when I'm doing these projects because you know, everything is planned out. So it the finished product looks super creative, like, wow. But going into it, it just kind of feels like a process to me um, when I have commission work. So I'm working on doing more personal because I put my paying jobs ahead of me just relaxing and letting loose and being creative because I think, oh, I got to do this. I shouldn't be just doing something for fun. You know, this deadline's due. So I'm working on balancing that. I haven't, yeah, well, something well, I struggle with. What is that creative, like what is Deanna first ultimate creative, I'm doing my thing look like for you? Like what, because to the outside world, it's like, yo, this is, this is what it, what it is. Honestly, I feel like, you know, I work with name brands and all of that, but I'm inspired by like, if I were to sketch someone, I would much rather sketch like the girl next door that is like just, I f it has like, that is pretty compared to like a famous fashion model. Like when I'm like sketching for fun, you know, I usually sketch women. Um, I love drawing eyes, things like that. I don't know, just something that like isn't saturated with a bunch of brands. I love all my brands. Right, of course, of course. But, you know, something that is not, you know, in that world. Because uh, are you able to do uh, illustrations and then have like private gallery events and sell them like independently as well? You know, I haven't done that. I feel like, you know, that's definitely a good market and you could do that. Um, I haven't. I haven't. I feel like maybe once I complete a, like a collection of illustration, like a series that flows nicely together, it would be cool to like pitch that or do a collaboration with someone. So got me thinking that's a good <laughs> that's a good idea yeah because uh, at this point now you're you're an entrepreneur and you're you're managing yourself or do you have an, a manager or do you have an agent and i don't anymore you don't anymore 
But at one point when you were independent, you so so what, what one I'm point saying, I did. Yeah. So I'm not saying when you were with the agency. When you weren't with the agency, you were you had an agent represent you. No. Um, the only time I've ever had an agent was with the agency. Okay, got it, got and it. And that was only a six-month period, and then I was like, oh, this isn't working. Um, so I've been by myself for a few years now. Dope, dope, dope. And, and Deanna, I have a question that I ask every person at the end of every episode of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I've been able to interview a lot of amazing people like yourself, people who um, are achieving greatness and achieving greatness and striving for greatness every single day. Um, but for so many folks um, on this pursuit of greatness, they're not aware of how much sacrifice it takes to be great. You know, they just see the end results of that oh, Instagram yeah. post and all the likes or the bottles being popped or the fancy cars and the, the nice house. Um, but they don't see all the things you've given up to be where you are today. Uh, what have you sacrificed to be great? How do I keep this short? And, keep it and, long. <laughs> and, and concise. I feel like I've sacrificed so much. I, I mean, I would stay in almost every weekend doing work. Um, and just like not just artwork, like you have to ha be very strong mentally in order to be an entrepreneur, to do your own business. Like mental health is something that's like, so huge and I feel like now it's great that it's getting so much attention but I feel like it's almost getting attention because it's trendy or it's just like the cool thing to talk about so I feel like just always being by yourself entrepreneurs don't talk about it like I work from home I worked from home from for years now you know the only time sometimes I'll get like human interaction is at my live sketch events or you know saying hi to the doorman or the lady walking you know at the coffee shop but I feel like that's the main thing like being okay with being alone and getting to the point that um being alone isn't a bad thing like now I I enjoy my own time and my presence um but there was one point where I was struggling to try and balance you know working hard with a social life but now like I really limit you know who I spend my time with I mean I'm, I'm very picky when it comes to my time so I'm spending my time with you right now so super honored is, yeah so be honored about that um <laughs> well Deanna first thank you so much for taking the time out yeah I know it was so fun chatting with I, you I know your schedule is very very busy I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk with me today and being on the podcast and I want to say thank you so much for your contributions to popular culture I always feel like you know, living in New York City, you know, I have a, a slogan for the podcast is hang with leaders and learn from legends. But I'm a firm believer that the legend, the leaders of today will be the legends of tomorrow. I love that. You know what I mean? And you're going to be a future legend. So thank you so much. No, it was, it was a pleasure chatting with you. All right. Take care. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silent Giants podcast and to our special guest, Deanna First. This episode was mixed by Joshua Coleman. If you're a fan of Silent Giants, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review in the podcast app. And lastly, before we get out of here, be sure to check out my other show, OPP, Other People's Podcast, the TRL of Podcasting. Each week, I interview America's top podcasters to learn more about them and the dope shows they created. I'll provide the link to OPP in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pod bless. Till next time.